Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Space Chai. I'm your host, DC. And I'm your host, Bailey Wilson. And we're here to spill the tea on all things space. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the Zombie in Space program. In last episode, we covered a lot about kind of the financial trends with investments in space and then things about the environment and how that's been affecting space development, as well as trends in conflict and finally talking about some extinction level threats. But today we thought that we'd kind of take a break from a lot of the serious discussions and maybe dive into a topic that not everyone's super familiar with. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely an interesting topic, and I didn't really know about it before researching it, but honestly, it's a topic that I've enjoyed, I think DC's enjoyed, and I feel like you guys will enjoy it too. Perfect. All right, let's dive into it. So Uh, tell me about the Zombie in Space program. Okay, so the Zombie in Space program first got international attention in 1964. This happened after Northern Rhodesia um, gained independence from Britain and changed its name to Zambia. Yeah, and it was super interesting because during that time, there were obviously a lot of just internal changes happening to the small country of Zambia, but it was also pretty much smack dab in the middle of the Cold War, while other countries such as the United States and the Soviet Union were trying to develop as fast as they could into space in order to, you know, really just show off their power, but also their technical ingenuity by trying to put the first man on the moon. (laughs) Yeah, and like, we all know the story about the Cold War. We know that it was between like the Soviets and the US, and we know that it was like a way of declaring like a war without having any physical violence. So it's really interesting to hear about like other players in the space industry at this time. So yeah, it's definitely like pretty cool. It's it's an interesting topic. Yeah, Yeah, so... Again, while all of this was going on, the director general of the space program for Zambia, his name was Edward Makaka Nicoloso, and he was the self he was self appointed for the position. So a little bit of a backstory on him is that he was born in 1919 in northern Rhodesia. He received a missionary education, learning theology, Latin and French. And then he was also drafted in World War II as a part of the Northern Rhodesia Regiment, which fought for Britain. And during this time, he started to develop an interest in science during the war uh, when he was shown how to use a microscope. And so that kind of really changed the way his education went from first focusing on kind of liberal arts and theology and French and then kind of moving more into like a scientific background that really led to his interest in space and then to the ultimate development of the zombie in space program. And it's definitely interesting, like, analyzing how, like, he could go from, like, a humanitarian education and switch into, like, a STEM field, which we don't really see that a lot within, like, the space industry. A lot of people who are, like, in the space industry now have been interested in space ever since they were kids. So it's, like, it's really interesting to see, like, someone learn, like, the subjects of, like, theology, Latin, and French, and then just have like a complete change of heart and go into something like science related. Yeah. And while we're also on that, I think it's really interesting because, you know, even back then, it just kind of proved this idea that space really was for anyone. Anyone could get interested into space, regardless of how old they were, what their background was, how, you know, again, late that interest developed and and how it developed. But it's still really interesting nonetheless. Yeah. Diving more deep into um, Nicoloso, 
He wanted to start his own school, but the colonial administration of Zambia denied his request. Following the denial of his request, he proceeded to open a school illegally, but it was shut down and he was prosecuted for his crimes. Some other information about him is he fought with the resistance against um, the British government and was like a notable figure within the group and within the movement. Prior to Northern Rhodesia's independence from Britain, uh, he became the national steward of the United National Independence Party, which the party, a little like detail about the party is that um, its founder actually ended up becoming the first president of Zambia. So yeah, it's like, you, you can see that like, he's a, definitely a political, like politically active person and that like, he definitely has an interest in like, preserving like Zambia. Yeah, and it's super cool because again, just the way in which his background almost diverged from any sort of perceived interest in aeronautical, you know, engineering or space. It was very interesting because he was very politically active. Again, you have the independence of an entire country going on at this time. He had an interest in education and it's really insane that they not only denied his request to build a school but then prosecuted him for it. Yeah. Like the fact that education was seen as like a political tool that again could really further people but also in that way was feared and so between his education and his political movements and kind of the 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 kind of importance that he thought that northern rhodesia just had to play in the world and how he really contributed to that was just really interesting to see but this is kind of where things started to shift right so rhodesia gets his independence and they become Zambia, and now Nicoloso is the director of, you know, the Zambian space program. So in order to kind of get funding when he initially developed this program, he wrote letters to multiple countries, including the U.S., the Soviet Union, Israel, and he also went to UNESCO, which is, I believe, the United Nations like Education Center. It's not that. But yes, he went to UNESCO as well and asked basically for anywhere between 20 million dollars to 2 billion dollars and he also asked for a lot of funds from like what he called private foreign sources so everyone pretty much denied his requests but they did give nicoloso like advice and kind of wishes and he was pretty much undeterred by that fact like despite him getting rejected from all the funding that he wanted it was really interesting because he still tried to continue down that path and continue with the zombie in space program. Yeah. And I think it's like really interesting to look at like how like other countries gave him like advice and wishes, which is like, yeah, the advice could be useful, but only if he had like the monetary funds to like execute the advice and like the wishes that they gave him. Like, it's just really interesting. Like I'm like guessing that like majority of the majority of the advice was like related to like research and stuff like that but like we now know that like in order to research you gotta have money like there's no way you're gonna do it with no funds i think it also just kind of goes into like a broader thing with you know space research and funding and really just anything in stem it's it is very difficult to have ideas and try to execute upon them because a lot of the time they require massive amounts of research and development funding institutional support uh, peers who can really review that literature, some sort of faculty advisor or member that would be able to look into that and see whether you're on the right track or what kind of modifications and adaptations that need to be made to research. Like research is a very difficult and arduous process. And so, you know, it's really cool how he was undeterred by the fact that everyone really just came back and were like, 
yeah, we don't really want to support this program, but you know, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Also talking about like faculty, like a lot of the space programs that we see nowadays have like tons of members of like faculty and like people working towards like the same project, but Nicoloso was like pretty much on his own. I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of people like not really immer immersed in like the space field and like the STEM field. So it's like, it would be hard for him to do all this research on his own. <laughs> yeah. Like, like it's, it's definitely like a personal endeavor of his to like want to like go towards space. It wasn't really like the endeavors of like other people necessarily. Diving more deep into like, um, like his facility. Um, he actually did have like a physical facility where he did train um, his cadets. The facility actually had a rocket. It's not the rocket that you guys are thinking of. It was actually just a tin barrel that was held above other cadets heads and shaken, which is like really interesting to like see like how different like space training was between like the Zambian space program and like other countries at the time. I remember seeing a picture of the rocket and it was very, it was very funny, I think, because it was made out of uh, aluminum and copper, I believe, and it had a hole in the rocket um, to allow astronauts, as Nicoloso said, to, to breathe. And it honestly reminded me more of like a rocket you would see on a playground than an actual rocket. Like it was very reminiscent of kind of going to like a recreation center and trying to go on the rocket that they had. Yeah, it's just it's so interesting to like just like see the pictures and see all of the evidence. Like I definitely recommend you guys look up like what the rocket at the Zambian space program looked like because like I don't know, it's just so interesting to see like how no Nicoloso was trying to like attempt to like execute his like endeavors and his like ambitions. It's it's, it's truly insane, but I don't know. It's just he was doing what he loved. He was doing what he loved, yes. what he had and you know what he could and, you know, I, I think it's, it is a little bit uh, just insane to look at. And also just if, if you guys have to kind of imagine this rocket for yourselves because you don't have the picture in front of you right now, just literally imagine how you would draw a rocket. Yeah, <laughs> and what pretty that much. Like. Pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's giving 2D. It really was. <laughs> it was giving a 2D picture. It's crazy. Yeah, so it was really insane because then, you know, in addition to the facility, and by the way, the, the facility was like an abandoned kind of building that used to either be a church or a school previously. And so what uh, Nicoloso did is the training cadets that he had at the facility, which he also affectionately referred to as Afronauts, uh, which were his term for African astronauts that he wanted to send to space. For their exercises, they did a couple of things, but specifically with the rocket, in order to simulate weightlessness, they took the cadets um, in a tin barrel, in, a, in like a tin barrel, and they had um, other cadets like have it above their head and shaken just kind of to simulate what the rocket would be like. And then for the weightlessness training, they would put cadets in the barrel and roll them down the hill or put them on a tire swing to simulate the conditions that they would probably have in space yeah it's just so crazy because like that's what people do for fun like it's not it's not something that people do to like train to go into outer space like it's just kids being kids low-key like i don't know any other way to describe it like i'm thinking of like the scene from grown-ups when they roll a tire down the hill and i'm like that's pretty much what it was like just them rolling inside something down a hill for like amusement it was also really funny because he basically came up with the idea, you know, to have the rocket and some of his weightless training 
uh, because he was on a plane one time. He was basically going to a conference and he was disappointed that the pilot wouldn't stop the plane so that he could walk on the clouds. And so like from his observed from his observations of being on a plane for the first time, he kind of just tried to simulate that experience with a tire swing and um, a tin barrel. But, you know, again, I think they, they did really everything that they thought they could. Um, but yeah, I think what's also super interesting is just kind of the, the planned missions. They wanted to go to the moon, but they also wanted to go to Mars. Like diving more deep into like their Mars mission. Basically, Nicoloso declared that there was like primitive Martians on Mars um, and decided that it would be a good idea to set up a Christian ministry in order to convert the Martians, um, which is just like it's I like it's just like colonialism taken to a whole nother level, like intergalactic colonialism is something that I've never heard of. But like, it's just so like interesting to like <laughs> just hear about like his endeavors and like what he wanted to do like it's just too funny i i just can't get over a little bit of how again it's just so so peculiar so just almost unthinkable that the level of seriousness that was being kind of applied to what they were doing i think now especially like in the future with the understanding that we have about space and how things function a little bit more and maybe like what it takes we can we're looking back on this and being like this is actually hilarious but back then without the internet without access to a lot of knowledge without really any kind of you know international support and monetary funding to them this was like extremely serious training that they believed that like would allow them to explore the moon and the and mars it was also very interesting because you mentioned like the missionaries Mm -hmm. that uh nicoloso wanted to send to convert the martians he did actually warn the missionary, the, the specially trained space missionary as well, that uh, not to force the people of Mars into conversion, uh, seeing as what he experienced with the occupation of Rhodesia. Yeah, it's just like, it's, it's crazy that like your country could go through something and then like you also want to like convert and like a different like planetary species on like the same foundation that you were kind of like coerced into believing. like. It's just so interesting to think about. Like We never did find out while we were researching for this episode where Nicoloso may have gotten the idea that there were primitive Martians on Mars, which I was very curious about. Like, honestly, for our viewers out there, if you're able to just like maybe do a little bit of research and kind of find that out for yourselves, like comment down below. Like we 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 want to know like how before anyone else, even with all the technology that they had and satellites couldn't find any life form on Earth where Nicoloso may have gotten the idea. Because I think that is a little really funny. Um, But kind of adding to more details of the trip, they had um, a specially trained 17-year-old girl that they wanted to send into space uh, to the, the Mars mission, as well as two cats and then the missionary. And so in doing this, Nicoloso's goal was that they would basically be able to start colonizing Mars and putting a presence on there. But I think when I initially read about the cats, I was really interested by, you know, cats being in space. I always love space kitties. They're super cool. But I mean, dive more into that. Like, what were, what were the cats for? So apparently Nicoloso's like idea for the cats was that they were going to serve as companions to the Martians and kind of like soften their hearts. Uh, 
Because, I mean, it is scary, like, having, like, a different species come to your planet. So, I guess, like, I don't know. It made sense. It makes sense to me. Like, if there was actually Martians on, like, Mars, I mean, I would give them a cat, too. In order to soften their hearts. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. No, the the cat companions were absolutely accurate. I mean, everyone deserves a cat. Even, you know, creatures that are not of Earth, I think, would honestly love a cat. I love cats. But I could talk about that forever. One of the interesting things as well is that in addition to them being considered a, you know, companion for the Martians that they would discover, one of the things that Nicoloso also talked about were how they would be used as technological instruments. And I was initially confused at this by first, but it gets even more insane because basically they would use cats as a way to test the safety of a landing. And, you know, like, tell us more about that. Yeah, so basically they wanted to use the cats to, like, basically drop them out of the rocket when they were landing to see if, like, landing was safe. And if the cat landed and survived, then they determined that it would, it would be safe for them to land, which is just crazy. And, like, the reason why there would be two cats, I'm guessing, is because they were going to use the moon as a way to like kind of like a rest stop to go to like Mars. It was going to be like a little like stopping place for them to like, you know, get together, recollect, and then like a launching point for them to go to Mars. So I think it is just, I, I can't, I can't process the idea that they got together and in all seriousness, were like, okay, so we need a way to test whether this landing is going to be safe for our astronauts. I have an idea. Let's yeet a cat out of the rocket and throw it and then see if it's going to land. And if the cat lands, then clearly it's safe. And it's just insane because cats do definitely, you know, land on their feet, at least most of the time. They're very aerodynamic creatures. But the idea that in all seriousness, their way to test the safetiness of landing was to throw a cat out of the rocket and see if it landed. Just, it, I can't, it's just too much. <laughs> Looking at it, like, theoretically, like, the cats would fall at the same speed as the rocket. Thank you, Mr. Fowler, AP Physics. Shout out. Um, So, like, I mean, it makes sense theoretically, but also, like, practically, like, that's not going to happen. But also, like, if you were trying to land and you threw the cat out of the rocket and you're, I don't know, some distance above the ground where it would be too small to see, then by the time you theoretically land, even if the cat didn't survive, it would be way too late because you, you would have to land to see whether the cat I know. What survived. if they ran out of cats, like, to throw off, the, to, to gauge the landing? What if the first or the first two, like, didn't work? Yeah, and then you need an extra supply of cat. Well, you can't go back home to get another cat. No, for real. It's just, it's just there's, <laughs> there's definitely some flaws with the thinking. There's definitely some flaws. Yeah, it, it just, oh my goodness. It, it, was, it was just too much. But yeah, so then kind of in addition to the, the makeshift rocket that they had and some of their weightless training exercises and the cats and the specially trained astronaut girl, they, they really had a lot of hope with the zombie in space program in terms of thinking that it was going to be the future for Zambia. Like the way Nicoloso genuinely portrayed it was that because Africa and Zambia in particular had gone through such tumultuous times with independence and colonialism, that space would have been a way for them to even the playing field with other countries that had taken advantage of them for so long. And I think like that's definitely something that we see kind of in the present, right? Yeah, it's like we definitely can see some like modern interpretations of that. I mean like 
India, for example, I mean, space is a whole new frontier. It's a whole new way to like, I don't know, just kind of grasp like some power on Earth. It's like really interesting to think about how like, I don't know, how your advancements on things outside of Earth can help you like gain power on Earth. It's it's interesting. And like even talking about like third, third world countries and like countries who like struggle with the internet issues and like just like countries that don't have the same technological advancements as first world countries, like you definitely can see that like countries without like internet and those technological advancements like don't really have the same presence that like first world countries and second world countries like United States, Russia, China, like just you you can see that they don't really have like the same political presence as those big countries. Yeah, like technology technological development and ingenuity is another way for countries to politically try to kind of even the playing field between nations that you know, historically were more advantaged or had more resources than them. And so kind of in the modern sphere, what we can see is with like the rise of the internet that Bailey was talking about, countries that had the technological capability to really develop and advance themselves using those kind of things or, you know, broadband internet, you know, 4G, whatnot, it really allowed them to get ahead of all of these countries that were already behind. And for them to catch up and make up that gap was significantly harder. And so Nicoloso was kind of onto something when at least intentionally he wanted to use space as a way to level up Zambia on the global stage because they had just gone through a very difficult time with colonialism and oppression and now this recent independence and just kind of all of the challenges that a fledgingly new government would have to face. And and so, you know, it gave them a lot of hope, but in a way it it is so difficult for us to comprehend Again, like the level of seriousness that they took the program with versus what they were actually doing and how they they truly thought with all their hearts that this was going to be a revolutionary life changing thing for them. So diving like deeper into the program and some of their trainings, um, the astronauts were tr- uh, they were taught how to walk on their hands um, because Nicoloso thought that the, that that was the only possible way to like walk on um, on the moon and like Mars, which is like. I don't know like what's the difference I I genuinely don't know because at this point like in regards to the training we've covered like them rolling down the hill in a barrel swinging from a tire swing like having the giant aluminum rocket over their heads and just having it like shaken violently and now walking on your hands to walk on the moon because walking on your legs wouldn't be possible I it just, I, I genuinely want to know where they got these ideas or at least what, quote, science they might have been looking at for that. It, it just, there's just so many things about this program that are very peculiar. And after all of the, the different kind of trainings and the cats and the specially trained Afronauts, um, they really thought that the zombie and space program would allow them to become what Nicoloso called the controllers of seventh heaven of interstellar space. And they were afraid that like the government wouldn't pass legislation to deal with the satanic plots of their enemies. Yeah, like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of it is is definitely like religious based. And it's like, it's just so like, it's so different from like our modern like interpretations of space. Because like, we look at like the modern stances and like we see like science and technology as something completely separate from like religious, like religious practices. So it's like interesting to like, see like a program in which like, they came together and they like just kind of like meshed together. I think it's just 
also peculiar because I feel like dealing with a scientific space program like zombie is, I think you can, you guys can also probably see me and Bailey are just kind of struggling to talk about this a little bit because it was a scientific program with no science and (laughs) training facilities with no actual training. And even the facility wasn't an actual facility. It was just an abandoned building. There's just so many things about this program that are super peculiar. And then, yeah, Nicoloso thought that the government um, was scheming with enemies to allow their satanic plots to come to fruition so that the zombie and space program would go down. And they thought that, like, international countries may have been spying on them, which he revealed to Time magazine in, in an interview that they had at the time. But he really thought that countries were spying on them and trying to um, prevent the program from succeeding because then Zambia would, you know, be thrown off the international stage, when in reality, Zambia didn't really have a fighting chance. Honestly, I think he just had beef with them because they didn't give him any money for his for his uh, research and stuff like that. I mean, like, I don't know, a lot of the countries that he said that were spying on him were the same countries that he also asked for money. So I'm, I'm thinking he's just upset that he didn't get the money that he asked for. Like, Yeah, no, I know. But, you know, he definitely gets A for effort. So then it kind of continues like after he wouldn't didn't really get the funding, had these makeshift training programs and facilities and, you know, tried to lobby with the government for whatever little he could. They decided that their space launch date for the Zombie and Space program was going to be on the 24th of October in 1964, which was their Independence Day. And it was supposed to be like the symbolic gesture that would a allow them to get into space before the Soviets and the United States but also kind of give Zambia another positive event that could coincide with Independence Day. Um, But what ended up happening with that? Surprise. The program was denied permission to launch uh, because the rocket was deemed inappropriate. Yeah. (laughs) Which is actually a surprise to no one. I mean, like, you're not getting anywhere with a tin barrel. Like, you're you're not getting anywhere. Uh, no way to sugarcoat that. Oh my goodness. Imagine if they had gotten out into space with their tin rocket. It would have been like, what, interstellar? <laughs> oh, so punny. So punny. Uh, okay. No, oh, my God. oh my God. <laughs> but- um, the program like also had some other issues other than like the monetary issues that we talked about. Some of the reasons included that the Academy often switched to locations um, depending on what job Peloso was working at the time, um, which is really interesting. Like one day it could go from like um, a janitorial space for like a janitorial job that he was working. And the next day it could be at a construction site, which is really interesting to think like, I mean, I wouldn't be able to get to work if I didn't know where it was. I mean, it's, and then like some other um, issues with the program is that the fame actually went to the Afronauts heads. She talked about how like Nicoloso was um, in Time Magazine and like, honestly, if, I, if the program I was a part about or a part of was talked about in Time Magazine, I think it would go to my head too, especially because it's like, I don't know, you're doing something that no one has ever done before. Like, it's crazy to think about. I think it, yeah, it's just very genuinely funny. Yeah, so then like in addition to the already rudimentary facility then changing locations really depending on Nicoloso's job and then kind of all this international attention that was supposedly interfering with the readiness of the Afronauts and like their dedication to training the 
the cadets had like very interesting incidents as well, which kind of like led to the demise of the space program. So like, for example, there were two cadets that ran off basically after a drinking spree. One ended up joining a drumming circle and the very specially trained 17 year old female Afronaut that was supposed to be Nicoloso's pride and joy and go into space got pregnant. So her parents pulled her away <laughs> from the program. And Nicoloso didn't get her pregnant, by the way, but she just ended up getting pregnant. So they had to pull her out of the program. Yeah, it definitely is like a sad turn of events. I mean, Nicoloso's whole like his whole posse is just not there anymore. I mean, they had their other issues to to worry about their issues on Earth. I couldn't see how it would be like upsetting for Nicoloso for him to like have like, I don't know, all of these dreams and then them to not even happen because his students like just had their own issues. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, again, it's, it's such a, it's a very confusing thing to try and, you know, put yourself in Nicoloso's headspace because in all seriousness, when we're talking about this program and about the things that they did, it literally seems like they did it for some laughs and some giggles. Like it's so difficult to take what happened just seriously or even having a conversation about that. Like I can't imagine Nicoloso being like, yeah, so the astronaut that was supposed to go to space got pregnant. One joined a drumming circle. The other two ran away after a drinking spree. Uh, the facility changes every day based on my job. We have no funding. And all these astronauts are having fame get to their head. Like, and we were going to throw cats out of rockets to like test the safety of our landing in our aluminum and copper tin rocket with a hole in it. I mean, one thing that I do have to um, commend Nicoloso for is... I mean, for his perseverance, I mean, through all of these struggles, like, he still was working towards his goal. Like, even without funding, like, even without, like, a set facility, like, he still kept it going. And he still kept this program, like, alive, which is honestly commendable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, with with what they had, the knowledge that they had, the money they had access to, and just kind of the insane amount of issues that Zombia was contending with and that Nicoloso had to go through. I think they did the best that they could. And again, like they definitely got an A for effort. And so like that kind of brings us to, you know, like we've talked about the program, the the genesis of it, the, the time frame of it and kind of what it what happened in the program and the facilities and what the training looked like. But the motives behind this may have been a little bit more interesting than, you know, than it might appear to the eye. Yeah. Um, so some possible motives, like um, Nicoloso probably had like a true belief that he could actually put somebody on the moon and somebody on Mars. Or it was just a bit of harmless fun, you know, a break from like all the stresses of society. Or the opinion that I think is like most correct is that his possible motive uh, possibly could have been a political sati- or political satire and like commentary on like European attitudes towards Africa or like just like I don't know there I feel like there's like a lot of stigma against a- Africa I mean like thinking that like maybe like what they're doing is actually true and like actually like the processes that they're taking in order to like achieve like the missions that they want to yeah it seems laughable but I think that's like the whole point like maybe because like the program seems so laughable like we're the ones actually getting laughed at because we thought that like they were actually being serious. Like it's, it's definitely interesting to like think about. I mean, like throughout like all this research, I thought all this stuff that they were talking about was like 
Nicoloso was 100% serious about. So, like, it's really interesting kind of, like, seeing this, like, flip on, like, the situation, how, like, that's the whole point. Like, we were supposed to think that, like, it was, like, a serious, kind of, like, serious measures in order to achieve the goal, when in reality, like, they were unserious, and that was, like, the whole point. Yeah, I think this, like, video from Quixer kind of said it best when he was, like, while the world was making a mockery of the program and Nicoloso, maybe Nicoloso was making a mockery of the world and really had the last laugh. Like, genuinely, by taking the thing that people really made fun of Africa for and turning it kind of on its head and gaining a lot of international attention from it too, just by doing things that the Western world would have definitely made fun of for, is interesting. And also, I think more so because... It's not like Nicoloso was uneducated. He had received missionary training and he learned about theology and Latin and he had a law degree, I believe. Yeah, he ended up getting a law degree in, like later in his life after the program, which is like very like interesting to think about. I mean, like that kind of just proves the point even more that it was like political satire because like, I don't know, why would you switch from like STEM, something that you're so passionate about for like you to start an academy to switch to just like law which is like it definitely points in the direction that like he was using it as like a political satire and it also makes more sense because like given his level of education i think it is something where like for example even if you're not getting an education in space or an education in stem you're probably going to be able to like look at the events of what happened and be like yeah i don't really think that that would be a viable solution to go to the moon or to go to you know, Mars, like if somebody came to me, even if I didn't have any kind of stem background, was like, I'm going to build a tinfoil rocket and, you know, like launch it off a hill and get it into space and throw cats out of the rocket to test the safety of the landing. I probably wouldn't believe that's a viable solution. So if someone with that level of education, I don't think that somebody with his level of education would truly believe that as an actual solution. And it seems more to me like it would be a mockery. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Kind of switching over to like a more somber tone, um, Nicoloso died in 1989 at the age of 70, um, but he was buried with presidential honors, which is like very interesting. Like it's like it shows that like his work was commended. Like maybe maybe it wasn't like his work for like the space program and specifically, but like his work towards like just like developing Zambia. I mean, yeah. like, he was a part of like the movements and like I feel like if it was political satire, like, it definitely is, like, commendable that, like, he would, like, had done all of this stuff. Like, he was the laughing stock of the world. But, like, I don't know. There was, like, a deeper meaning behind, like, being the laughing stock of the world. Yeah. You know, I think, in a way, it kind of, it was kind of, like, political commentary in, like, a Joker kind of way. Just having the last laugh at, you know, the, the surrealness of everything. But also, you know, again, like, being buried with presidential honors after all of the work that he did to contribute to Zambia's independence, its growth, its political renewal, and just everything that he contributed towards as an individual and to the collective of the society. You know, I think he did have a very, you know, at least I, I hope he had a very fulfilling life. Um, and yeah, so I think from all of that, with Zambia's space program and everything that Nicoloso went through, I think we can find that, you know, space can definitely be used as like a political strategy. Yeah, I definitely like agree with that statement. It's that like, I don't know, we've seen space used as like a political st uh, strategy in like different like from different countries. I mean, 
like the United States and, and the Soviets, like as we talked about, like with the Cold War, like the whole reason why the U.S. wanted to be the Soviets is so that they could gain a political dominance in the world. So it's like it's really interesting to like kind of analyze how like maybe space could be used as like a political strategy in like other ways. It's it's like it's I don't know. It's just cool to see like just like a different use of it, like a different um, attempt at using like space as a political strategy. Yeah, I know. Last episode we kind of touched on, and, and I forget who kind of came up with the quote, but talking about how space policy is foreign policy, um, especially more so in the present, but even really back then, it was space policy was foreign policy, right? And so using space policy and just kind of some sort of space development to kind of get a presence on the global stage, regardless of how rudimentary it was they were doing, it kind of worked out for Zambia. I mean, yeah, I haven't been in a Times magazine, but the Zambian space program was, which is like, they're doing something. (laughs) <laughs> they're they're doing something. They they were able to work their way up from like something that was just conceived as like an idea into something that like reached international attention, which is really cool. They definitely succeeded in bringing like attention to Zambia and the Zambian space program. But interestingly enough, there was another space program where in its kind of infant stages resembled a little bit of Zambia's space program, but it ended up having a very different trajectory. So why don't we talk about? ISRO. Yeah. So ISRO, if you guys don't know, is um, the Indian like space program. And I mean, looking at its like development and like its early stages, um, it started actually like it, the program actually started in the 1920s. And that's when they like initially started their like development within like the space realm and like just doing some research, like no like practical like uses, but like they were actually like researching like I think they were um, researching like radiation from the sun, just like like atmospheric like pressures and just like just some crazy things that like like starting out as a space program in a country that is like when you're starting out is being colonized by another place. It's like you were able to achieve all of these feats, but still like you had like somebody looking over you and like you didn't really have the autonomy that like other countries had. And it was even more incredible because after India got its independence from Britain, when they launched their first rocket in 1963, right? Like just kind of, you know, 20 years after they had gotten their independence, they had to transport parts of their rockets using bicycles up a hill. And their research center was like an old cattle shed and they used like churches and abandoned facilities to conduct their research and to do their their testing. And in a lot of ways, it did kind of re- remind us of Zombie Space Program when they were starting out. Yeah, I mean, like, there's definitely, like, a lot of parallels. And it's, like, it's so interesting to, like, see how, like, one was able to, like, form into, like, a top player in the space realm in our current day. And one was just eventually disbanded. Like, it's just odd to see how, like, some decisions and some funding can make you, like, become a top player and, like a field that is still being researched and still like being developed. And also it's interesting because while we were talking about the zombie and space program, you know, having potentially been a joke and maybe not being a serious thing because of how rudimentary it was and how underdeveloped it was at the same time, actual other legitimate space programs did start off that way. Right. Like people could have looked at the Indian space program and really said the same thing. Like, you're using an abandoned cattle shed to conduct your research with no equipment, no tools, no money. 
bicycles to transport rocket parts. And now, you know, India is, you know, planning missions to other planetary bodies in space. They're one of the world's most developed economies. They have some of the best funding and research out there. And they kind of started in the same way that the Zombie and Space program did. So it almost looks like two parallels of space programs that kind of started out in a little bit of a similar fashion. And just one ended up actually materializing um, its potential into something tangible and productive and really cool. And the other, you know, at best, they just kind of gave some hope that space was for everyone. And even at worst, it was just like some really funny political satire. Seems like unfathomable that like a a program that like started off so rudimentary like the um like isro's like started off so rudimentary but now they're up there and like they're competing against like the top nations the people that were like like the like the united states the people that were like the first people to put somebody on the moon and like russia the first people that were like putting somebody into space it's like just so interesting to just see like their development throughout time yeah so i mean how was the zombie in space program and the craziness with Niccolo. So if you guys enjoyed today's episode, please leave a like, share, comment, or we will throw a cat out the rocket. <laughs> I will not be doing that. I love cats. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, tune in for our next episode. Um, we have some pretty interesting stuff to talk about, and I'm sure that you guys will enjoy it as much as we do. And that's the tea. Period. <laughs>